Hey, welcome to the Healthful Woman Podcast, the fastest growing podcast in women's health. Today's Monday, February 20th, 2023. I'm joined today by Dr. Nicole Rankins, who is the creator and host of the All About Pregnancy and Birth Podcast. Nicole is an OBGYN practicing as a hospitalist slash laborist and started her podcast almost exactly the same time we did right before and during COVID. Even though we didn't know each other or that the other had the podcast, we were covering very similar topics, and both of us were also sharing your birth stories as well. Recently, I came on her podcast to talk about prenatal vitamins as part of my affiliation with a startup prenatal company called Element. That's with two L's. Check it out. And that's how we first met. And I think Nicole and her podcast are terrific. So first, I invite all of you to check out her podcast. Also, we decided to do like a home and away doubleheader where I would come on her podcast and she would come on this one. So today's podcast is me as the host and Nicole as the guest. She's really fascinating. And I'm guessing if you like this podcast, you're going to like hers as well. Reminder for all you listening on Apple or Spotify, I would really appreciate it if you could rate this podcast, preferably with five stars and leave some comments. I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners. I don't know who you are because, uh, you know, it's an anonymous post. But basically, we got to thank you on one of the reviews, and I'm going to read it. I just listened to your most recent episode on periviable birth, and I'm so appreciative to have you talk about this and how complex and hard the decisions surrounding our babies are at this stage. I truly have never heard anyone discuss this in a public space and saw my experience reflected in this conversation, which actually felt very validating. I had great counseling from our doctors and understood, as well as anyone in that situation can all the pieces you discuss, but I'm pretty sure most of the people in our lives don't understand what the birth of our son at 23 weeks, six days was like, and the eight hours that followed it, where we had to decide to redirect care and allow him to pass away peacefully with us. I'm sure as doctors, you are extremely busy with your work and your own family, so I just wanted to let you know I appreciate the time you put into your podcast to educate and share knowledge on topics most people are uncomfortable talking about. Well, thank you to our listener who put that God bless you. I'm sorry you went through that, but I really appreciate you reaching out, and I'm glad that our podcast could help even just a small bit. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week. We'll see you next Monday. Welcome to today's episode of Healthful Woman, a podcast designed to explore topics in women's health at all stages of life. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Fox, an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist practicing in New York City. At Healthful Woman, I speak with leaders in the field to help you learn more about women's health pregnancy, and wellness. Dr. Nicole Rankins, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, <laughs> me too. A couple of podcasters just chatting away. Yep. Beautiful yep, stuff. Yep, yes. <laughs> so you are the host of the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast, as well as yep. other achievements and endeavors that you do, but we'll talk about that. I guess we got connected Originally through my association with Element, the uh-huh. uh, prenatal vitamin, and I was on your podcast in that capacity. And then, you know, I, I sort of, I don't really actually listen to a lot of podcasts, interestingly. And then I sort of found yours and started to listen. I was like, wow, this is really good. I, we're like, we're like separated at birth, the two of us, which is cool. <laughs> so I thought we would do like a home and away thing where, you know, you're going to come on my podcast and I'll come on yours and we'll let each other's listeners get to know who the other one is. And I think it'd be pretty cool. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I think that a lot of times I hear people say that they 
think that I am rare in terms of the way that I practice and approach medicine. And I like to tell people I'm not rare. There are, there are <laughs> those of us that are out there. I don't think, you know, we may not be as well known. And maybe there aren't as many of us, but I'll, I definitely want to, you know, reach out and, and connect my audience with more people who practice similarly and have similar beliefs. So that's great. Good stuff. So you're an OBGYN, you're a wife, you're a mom, you're a podcast host, you're a course creator. You are, you're everywhere. You're, you're ubiquitous. How, how did you get into that? Yeah. So I actually started out in academics. I thought for sure I was going to be a clinician researcher. After I did my residency at Duke, I went up down the street, did a research fellowship at UNC Chapel Hill got an MPH, 100% thought I was going to be an academic. And then I got into academics and realized that it was not the right fit for me. So I was actually there for seven years and research just was not working. And it wasn't until my chairman at the time um, kind of mentioned that it was suggested that maybe I should be fired. That uh, <laughs> it was suggested. Hey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I realized okay, that you know, I got angry and said, Well, you're not gonna fire me, I'm gonna quit. And as things happened, I was going to my own gynecologist appointment. And it's, it's like long story short or short story long, I was going to my own gynecologist appointment. And she said, Hey, at the hospital, we have this opening for a hospitalist position. Just, you know, she just happened to talk about it and I looked into it and then I, we didn't want to move. My husband was like, we're not moving. You know, you've got to figure out something here if you're getting a new job. And I started as a hospitalist and I love being a hospitalist, love being um, just focusing on an OB. I love it more than I ever thought I would. However, I was missing some ability to, to connect with people in a different way. And I also always in the back of my mind knew that people were looking for information online and in different places, but we as OB weren't present in the places where people were looking for information. So I initially started that blog and then that transformed into a podcast and because the blog was too hard to write and keep up with. (laughs) And I'm an avid podcast listener. Mm So I said, hey, let me see what it's like to sign a podcast. And then now here we are. Wow. So I I have to ask you, going back to the beginning of that story so you went from duke to north carolina so Mm -hmm. what's the deal you're a blue devil or a tar heel i'm a blue devil you're a blue devil through and through through and through through. okay that's uh i had the best experience not that i had a bad experience (laughs) in Chapel hill but i had a great experience in residency i still have a group of friends from residency like we meet up every couple years or so so i am a blue devil yes i have i have no skin in the game with duke north carolina However, I've always been torn in my life because I'm a big Michael Jordan fan because I'm from Chicago. So that would put me in North Carolina. But also in my formative years was like 91, 92 Duke, you know, Grand Hill, Christian Leitner. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm kind of bold. So I guess if I moved to North Carolina, everyone would hate me. So <laughs> I don't know. It's so how did you, how'd you get into medicine originally? Yeah, so... I initially, my undergraduate degrees are actually in mathematics and mechanical engineering. And in the process of starting my engineering degree, this is going to sound crazy, but I swear it happened. I was in the dorm and I was like in the bathroom, standing at the sink and looked in the mirror and I saw myself wearing a white coat. And that moment 
planted the seed that maybe you should be doing something different. And I just started looking into medicine and medical school and it just became very clear that that was the path that I wanted wanted to go on. And you know, so I did all things, went to medical school. And even in medical school, I didn't, you know, life is the series of events that happens. I didn't even think I was going to be focused on OB. As a matter of fact, I wanted to be a GYM oncologist, mm. like 1,000%. So um, you're a gunner. I, all right. I, I, I am, I am definitely a smart cookie and a, a high, a high fever kind of, kind of girl. Yeah, for sure. Was anyone in your family in medicine or were you the first one? Yeah, that's a great question. So no, I'm the first one. My dad did not finish college. He was a hardworking manager at UPS that didn't graduate from college, but like, outstanding work, work ethic. So mm-hmm. like if you're, if you're on time and you're late kind of guy. Yeah. And my mother taught math for 50 years. Wow. Yeah. And my sister, I have a sister who's an assistant principal. Everybody else in my family is in education. Both my sisters in education, aunts, cousins um, in education. So I'm a little bit of the eyeball. So you're basically the one that they all ask their medical questions to. Yeah. They asked everyone, <laughs> they asked me the medical questions and their conversations around like education, stuff and the lingo. I'm like, I don't understand any of this. So. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's interesting. So I, I have a lot of doctors in my family and it was almost the opposite of what you had. It was sort of, yeah. it was sort of assumed and I really assumed like in a bad way that I would go into medicine. I just always thought I would. And I almost had to stand in the mirror and like, make sure like, do I really want to do this? You know, because right. it was, it was like the opposite from you, but it worked out great. So at least in my family though, the questions, the free medical advice gets spread amongst multiple people. So I'm not the only yeah. one. So you're so, not the only one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So what did what did shift you from GYN oncology to OBGYN? Yeah. So I I knew I wanted to do something with my hands. Like I always like to to operate. So mm-hmm. that's why I kind of was draw, drawn towards GYN oncology. But it just became as I got through residency, it was like, mm, this isn't quite the right thing for me. I think I'm gonna go into general OBGYN to do, you know, clinician research route. Like I just thought I was going to play that I was going to be an academic. But, and honestly, like the hospital part, just focusing on, B, on OB kind of fell into my lap. But I was never quite satisfied doing, being in the office. I always found it overwhelming. In some ways, I felt like I was just a pap smear factory. Like I didn't have the opportunity mm-hmm. to spend time with patients. And I was always behind. Like my, and I didn't have control over my schedule. So that part clinically didn't feel great either. So definitely as a hospitalist, there are some pluses and minuses, but I love what I do. Do lots of stuff with my hands, obviously, uh, with deliveries and, and whatnot. So it, it is absolutely the best fit for me. Yeah, but I could see what you're saying that the hospitalist gives you sort of that that action, so to speak, and you're always you know doing a lot and you're busy and you're working with your hands. And but on the other hand, like you said, when you're hospitalist, it's just people come in labor, you deliver them or yeah. not deliver them, and then they leave almost like an emergency room doctor for a labor floor. Mm-hmm. So I guess you wouldn't have, I mean, you, you're obviously very personable and you're, you know, you're a talker and you explain things and you like to teach. So I guess what you're doing now is sort of how you connect with patients from a, like a more long-term perspective than just the ones you deliver. 100%. Yeah. So this, this, what I do outside of the, the bedside allows me to connect with lots more people and support them during their journey and, and experience in a way that I can't 
do for everyone at the bedside. So it's not quite like having that continuity to seeing the same patient over and over again. But I certainly get messages of people saying things like, you know, I followed you my whole pregnancy. Even I heard your voice in my head while I was going into labor, that kind of thing. So it's definitely, it's so rewarding. It's like been one of the greatest joys of my life. How did you actually start? Like, how did you make that, you know, jump in the pool decision to do this? Like, let's say to do the, to do the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I found that I, I don't do very well with like a lot of idle time. <laughs> I initially, and I get like my story is kind of all over the place, but I actually started off thinking I was going to do health coaching. So health coaching is like a way to help people change healthy habits. And that was one thing that I thought was missing in the office. Like we tell people to go wait, but we don't actually tell them how to do it. So I actually went back to Duke and got trained as an integrative health coach. And that gave me a perspective of like approaching health from a more holistic way. But it was actually really hard to put that in practice. And again, it still wasn't quite the right fit. So I found the marriage of like my OB world and then doing a podcast, which is what I love and, and doing it that way. But the fact that the thing that just made me like take the leap and jump, it's, it's easier for me to say like, I couldn't not do it. When those voices are in my head that think this is something you should be, you need to do, I just go forth and just try it. I was like, in the worst case, it'll be a disaster and I can stop. But I never want to look back on my life and say that I didn't do something and wonder what would have happened. I'd much rather say I did it and it failed or, you know, or, or it worked out. So, yeah. And did you, did you have anyone or any podcast that you sort of modeled it after? Or did you just come up with your format on your own? Yeah. So I just came up with the format on my own. I knew that I, I, I learned a lot from, I don't know if you know Pat Flynn. He, I don't know how I even got to this podcasting stage. You know, you Google how to start a podcast and he had this guide they kind of walk you through how to think about starting a podcast. And as you know, actually doing a podcast is not terribly hard. The consistency part and keeping it up is the hard part, but starting is not terribly hard. But I knew from the beginning, I just thought through, it's like, I want to talk about birth stories just because I know people like to hear about those. I knew I wanted to talk about topics. And I just, I'm at my core, I'm kind of nosy, I just say. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about that. <laughs> I just want to know more about different things. Like I like to learn about different things and different people's perspectives about things. So I was like, I want to interview people about what they do and their things as well. So that's how I came up with part rotating between birth stories and me talking about topics and then interviewing people about all kinds of interesting things. And did doing the podcast and getting busier with it and more successful with it did it affect your clinical practice in in one way or another? I think it has made me a better clinician for sure. In the sense that, especially the birth story, we so much get into, like we do this a lot and we, it gets, I don't want to say routine, but in some, some ways, you know, the newness of it where it's off. But I realized that for every single person having a baby, this is a new experience for them. This is something that they haven't done before. So just helping me remember that when I go to the the encounter, I think really helped me to listen, slow down, answer people's questions a bit better. Clinically, it hasn't, I haven't backed down in my clinical practice yet. I do hope to back down a little bit in my hospital <laughs> practice, but it, it definitely has made me a better clinician for sure. And do 
like your colleagues and maybe your community, do they all know that you do this? Do they sort of, you know, follow you? Do they like yeah, poke fun at you yeah. from time to time about things or, you know, how does, how does that work? Right. Yeah. Interestingly, even though I'm on social media and I talk on a podcast, I am actually an intense introvert. So I would much rather talk in front of like a thousand people where I don't have to do a lot of one-on-one interaction than like be in a group in front of 10 people. Like I, I don't, I'm not like a social butterfly kind of person. So I've never mentioned that I had a whole other separate thing going on. And it wasn't until it started like getting more popular and then people came to me and was like, wait a minute, you're on Instagram. You, you've got like 10,000, 50,000, you know, what, what, what are they doing? Why haven't you told us about any of this? And I just, it's just not my nature to really talk about it. But more and more people do know I've been starting to segments on my local news channel so people do see me and occasionally I have patients come in more frequently that know me either from my podcast or social media. Some are quite surprised it's like oh you're actually in Richmond like I had no idea that you were in the same city that I was in because I don't talk about it but yeah it's definitely starting to be more more well known and some and lots of my colleagues refer patients to my information as well. Oh that's great that's pretty cool so let's let's talk about the podcast we'll start there. So what kind of topics do you cover or guests do you have? You know, sort of what is your, I don't know so much format, but sort of like what's your overarching, maybe your your outline or your goals or something like that? Yeah. yeah. So for the birth stories, I like to include lots of different types of birth stories to give a comprehensive approach or comprehensive view of birth. So we'll have anyone from completely unmedicated birth came in and had a delivery very easily to the other extreme. I've had people come on and share their experience with stillbirth. So the whole gamut, epidural, no epidural, primary C-section, um, you know, elective C-section, all of the things to help people see all of the possible things that can happen. So those are the birth stories. And so it's some good, some not as good in terms of the experience. For guests, I really like to, I'm a little bit selfish in the sense that I will also interview people that I want to know more about. So for instance, I wanted to know about bird photography because I see people do it. So I had a bird photographer come on. One of the most popular episodes of the guest has actually been getting your dog and your baby to get along after you have a new dog. So that was the interesting thing to talk about. I've had someone come on and talk about nutrition or supplements. I've talked about obesity. I've talked about preterm labor, all kinds of things. So the episode with you with Element, that was just bringing information to people about something that they may not know about. So I also have guests on who I think are talking about things that are interesting and people may want to know more about. I've had acupuncture, someone an acupuncturist on, a chiropractor on, a prenatal chiropractor. And I'm very honest and straightforward that like, hey, I don't know how I feel about this whole chiropractor thing, but let's talk about it. Right. <laughs> so it's really about me learning and sharing that information with, it, with others. It's so interesting that that's how you, that's sort of what you landed on. Again, what I we've never met and I didn't know about your podcast before we started ours. Actually, I don't even know which one started. When did your podcast start? Early 2020. Like right when COVID hit, give or take? Just about, yeah. So we started the exact same time, which is also a crazy coincidence. Uh -huh. and, and we landed in the same place because like literally we did the same thing. We had or stories and we had topics and things I do know about, things I don't know about, you know, guests that I knew, guests that I didn't know. It's so interesting. Wow. 
Oh, how about that? Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you have any podcasts that were maybe not well received or controversial ones or like people, you know, were emailing you like, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, probably the first, I actually redid it a second time, but the first podcast episode that I did on obesity and pregnancy was really like negative. Like I talked a lot about some of the difficulties and challenges and some people were like, you know, I felt really bad after I listened to it. I don't think I did a good enough job of balancing like the realities of obesity and pregnancy with trying to make the best of the situation. So that was that that one probably sticks out as one that was that I missed the mark with that. And when I re-recorded it, I think it came across a lot better. <laughs> what 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 would you say is something you really learned from being a podcaster or doing these podcasts, either in life or in medicine? Yeah, you you to some degree you have to have a I don't want to say thick skin, but you really need to be you really need to be open. You need to be willing to admit when you got something wrong or when you need to improve. I really think people respond to that. I don't think people want to see someone who's perfect or, you know, like social media glamorous or whatever. I just found that people really appreciate my honest perspective. And when I admit that I have done things wrong or I have grown as a physician, but I really am trying to do better. People give me some grace for that. Like, for instance, I've completely used to roll my eyes at birth plans, like, and say that that was like, you're, this is here, you know, your express ticket to the OR, your birth plan, <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> but, and then now I've like come full circle and actually have a class on how to help people write a birth plan in a more effective way. So I think people appreciate that honesty and my willingness to say that I've done things wrong and I'm, want to do things better. Yeah. I mean, we're only perfect on Instagram. That's what we've learned. Everyone's perfect on Instagram. Yeah, and then, exactly. yeah, then you scratch the surface a little bit and you're as, you know, I, I think that's, it's really true. And it's interesting. Do you share personal details about your life on your podcast? Like would your listeners know, you know, the names of your kids or, you know, your husband or, you know, things like yeah. that? Yeah. I don't share the names mm -hmm. of my children. I do share the name of my husband. My husband's name is Falcon, so that's kind of easy to remember. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Falcon like the bird. I don't share, I occasionally share pictures of my children on Instagram, not a lot, because they don't like to, to be on mm -hmm. social media, and I respect that. I do definitely talk about the birth, my birth experience with my first, because that most certainly has influenced the way, influenced my, my what I do and my work as an obstetrician. In what way? Yeah, so she had duodenal atresia. Mm -hmm. I was a complete nutcase during my first pregnancy. Like I was ultrasounding myself in the beginning. I was like, no, just, just, nerve, just nervous and anxious. And you, you, were already, you were already an OBGYN at the time? Already an OBGYN. Okay. I had just finished residency. Mm -hmm. You see, I was, I was, I, I had the advantage of being an idiot because I was, I was a, men, a medical student. So I knew nothing, Okay, which is better. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really yeah. is. So I was finally like less anxious. I was like, okay, calm down, relax, take a deep breath, go to an ultrasound appointment. And that's when she gets diagnosed with the which you know is a rare thing that happens. But then, yeah. Of course. And they're like, well, it's going to be okay. You know, most of these babies are born full term. They get surgery after, right after they're born. They're in the hospital for a few days and then they go home and they're fine. You know, the surgeon was like really optimistic. So I was like, okay, you know, good. Okay. I feel better. I feel better. 
And then I went into labor at 32 weeks mm. um, and, and subsequently delivered via C-section because she was, her heart rate was just dropping like crazy. So you're, um, you're such have, a, you're such the typical OBGYN, you know, all right, there's an abnormality and ultrasound. I have preterm labor and I'm having a C-section. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. our joke. If you're if you're if you're in medicine or you're an OBGYN, like you're screwed. That's it. Exactly. You know, it's all happening to you. On, to add on top of that, my epidural was not affected. So Oof. when they did the Alice clamp test and the Oof. C-section, I, I felt it. Oh. And they went ahead and started because because they had to heart rate. Yeah, and it it was it was traumatic, honestly, to be honest with you. Yeah. And then next thing I knew, I was like you know, feeling out of it. I was like, I could I look up at the CNR and I was like, oh, you just gave me some happy drugs. And then I was like, ow. <laughs> you know, so, but that first part was, was really challenging. I, I actually doubted myself and my experience and like, was I being dramatic? Was I like, was I just being a drama queen until I, and then it's when I had my second section and that was a whole nother experience. I was like, oh, this is what it's like. Like, you don't, Feeling like I was not crazy the first time I was actually feeling things. Yeah, so that first my daughter spent a month in the NICU. That was trying times. I cried every day while she was there, and she did see now doing extremely well. But those those beginning times were were challenging. Yeah, no, that is hard. And I think just for our listeners, when we talk about unmedicated birth, we're usually talking about a vaginal birth, not so much a C-section. Unmedicated no, C-section. No That's not really a thing. <laughs> In the past couple hundred years, we sort of have avoided that. Wow. Exactly. Wow. So I, obviously that will inform a lot of what you're doing and the advice you're giving and the thoughts you have about childbirth and pregnancy and for sure. anxiety for sure. and it's, it's everything. A, the hard stop for me in a C-section, if a patient is saying she's hurting still, I'm like, we got to fix Yeah. I know what this feels like. And then I certainly related to, I don't like talk a lot about it unless it feels like it's a natural place to talk about it about how how hard it is to have a preterm baby who's in the NICU and and how difficult that can be and just offer some hope that on the other side thing you never forget that it gets better it's great so let's let's talk about your birth plan class so you were mm-hmm. you were a a doubter at first in the birth plans as mm-hmm. i guess many obstetricians are well what mm-hmm. what was it that turned you around to it and how do you use sort of that original doubt in helping people plan a birth plan? Yeah. So the first thing I say, I, the class is titled Make a Birth Plan and all that. The first thing I say in the class is that we can't actually plan birth. None of us can. <laughs> you know, doctors can't. Doctors will say, oh, we'll just induce you. But we, none of us have control. The baby has control. They don't really tell us when they plan to come out. So I reframe it. And of course, you should have wishes about how your birth should go but we can't plan it with any certainty. And really the key is understanding that the hospital where you're giving birth and your doctor or your practice are on the same page about the things that you want for your birth. And that's the conversation that you need to have in the prenatal appointment. Handing this piece of paper to someone when you go into labor is entirely too late. You're in the hospital, you're going to be there at that point. So you really want to know going into it that you have the support that you for the birth that you want to have. And it just opens up a, a conversation for, you know, to, to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Yeah. I mean, we did um podcast on birth plans specifically. And really the, the conclusion that we had was really that the idea of a birth plan is really, it's, 
you know, have a conversation with your doctor, your midwife, whoever it is, like you guys should be in speaking terms. <laughs> and so yeah. if yeah. It, it doesn't, whether it's written on paper or not written on paper, whether you number it or don't number it, get online, yep. don't get online. Ultimately it's, hey, this is what my thoughts were. This is what, you know, I was hoping for. What do you think? And then the answer is yeah. either going to be, I'm 100% on board or that is unsafe and here's why. Or yeah. I'd love to offer this, but I just can't because my hospital doesn't have that. What do we do? Mm -hmm. And yep. if you have someone who you're working with is taking care of you, who you trust, then it'll be easy because you just have a conversation, you figure it out. But if you don't trust that person, handing them like a list of demands is going to make it worse, not better. Absolutely. I try to I emphasize that doctors are humans also. And you want to try to approach the relationship from like we're working together collaboratively and not demanding. You know, think about someone comes up to you and like, this is what betters you and this is how it better go. Like that isn't that a good tone for the relationship. And that trusting piece, as you mentioned, is so, so important. So really the piece of paper is the least important part of the plan. It's really that process of making sure that you guys have a good trusting working relationship together. Yeah, I was going to actually ask you sort of in a related note, as a hospitalist, right, you pretty much have almost never met the people before they show up in labor, unless you happen to yep. have seen them, you know, in triage or something a week before right. or something like that. Yeah. How do you develop a relationship or a trusting relationship with somebody in such a short amount of time? Because it really can be, you might be with them for 12 hours. It might be very intense or intimate and mm -hmm. they might show up with the birth plan that they went over with somebody else. Like, how do you do that as a hospitalist? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, when I started as a hospitalist, I very quickly realized that so much of what we do is people relations. Yes, the clinical piece is important, but so is the people relations because you have to establish that trust very quickly. So it's really just basic things about showing an interest in that person and the things that are important to them. So I tend to sit down, you know, ask the history, introduce myself, all of those things. But then I also ask, are there some things that you want for your birth that you would like us to know about? And that usually opens any discussion for birth plan or anything that they wanted. I'm very careful about asking permission before doing anything like vaginal exams. I always say, is it okay before we do this? I explain the rationale of things very clearly. And people think that that takes a lot of extra time and it doesn't. You can establish things pretty quickly by just showing that you are really interested in this person and them having their best experience. Yeah, I, I listen, I think it's true. It's not an issue of time. It's just an issue of taking the time to do it. I mean, you can do it while you're putting your gloves on. Like it does not, this is not, we're not talking about like 10 minutes of conversation. No. It's uh -uh. like, you know, it's 20 yeah. seconds or 10 seconds. In the hospital that you're covering, are there students and residents and whatnot? No, actually they're not. Yeah, so we don't have students and residents in our hospital. So, I mean, so when they come in, it's you. It's you and the nurses mm -hmm. taking care of them. Okay, yep. so that's yep. all the more so you're gonna have to develop a relationship with them. You're not just sort of supervising the other people. You're nope. you're in there. Okay. It's me, yeah. <laughs> and we have a unique situation where the practices in our hospital, this doesn't always happen, but they, they sign out all of their, all of the practices sign out their patients to the hospitalist. So we take, we're like an extension of the private practices in the area. We don't just take care of quote unquote unassigned mm -hmm. patients who don't have a doctor. We take care of everyone. Right. Meaning that the when that is the plan in the prenatal care, mm -hmm. like, hey, we're going to take care yeah. of you in the office when you go into labor, one of these six people or whatever it is, the number is going to be yeah. delivering you. And we know yeah. them, we trust them, we've worked with them and 
you have exactly. that set up. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about your online childbirth class. You do a lot. Yeah. So what, what what's going on there? Yeah. So I made this childbirth education class and it took me a long, that was a labor of love. It probably took me eight months to record this thing, right? And record this thing took a lot longer than I anticipated. But I really did it from the perspective of like, I want to provide information that's evidence-based that from my perspective as a physician and specifically about hospital birth. So that's what I talk about in the class. But it covers more than just like what's happening in your body during labor and delivery, you know, labor and birth. It's like postpartum issues that can come up, emergencies that can come up. I talk a lot about actually mindset because that's a really big piece of labor, how you go into the process, your mindset under support, having the right support lined up. I'm a, a fan of doulas because research shows that having someone like a doula improves experiences. So I, I believe research. So really, I just cover that whole gamut in the class. It was truly a labor of love, but I absolutely love it. And lots of, uh, you know, we're at about 1,500 folks who've gone through wow. the class. So I'm, I'm really proud of it. And so what happens? People sign up and it's just like a, it's an online like, lecture series sort of? Yeah, it's online. All of all of it's recorded. People love it because they could do it. Well, first off, during the pandemic, for a lot of people, it was the only option. Yeah. Like, there were no in-person childbirth education classes. So it right. really took off during the pandemic. It certainly started to slow down a bit since more people are going back to in-person classes. And now what I'm really definitely attracting are people who still like the online and being able to do it when it's convenient for them. And people really love the ability to do it with their partner because they have a hard time like dragging their partner to an in-person class, but they will sit down and do an online class at home. And then I have a Facebook group to provide like support, additional like, lot more live support where I do Q&As and things like that. Wow. What do you do? People get lifetime access to it. Lifetime. And they have it. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right. So if, you know, someone's going to have a long birthing career, sign up with you when they're young and go all the way through to their ninth kid. I recently had someone who sent me pictures of all three of her children that she's had. That's awesome. Yeah, this is we both bought the course. That's cool. What, What do you do about like either listeners or followers who have a really different approach from you? Do they just like self-select out or do you try to be like as, you know, wide or as broad as humanly possible? Or do you just, you know, stay in your lane and hope people I, join? I, I tell people, this is my lane. This is how I approach things. If you like it, come on. If you don't, there's lots of other people elsewhere. Like for instance, I have a lot of people who, I, I know a lot, but a, a good number who will ask me about birth centers or home birth. And I think those are appropriately, those are safe options for people who are low risk and you have to have backup available. We actually, I actually reached out to Home Birth Midwives in my community to, to be a place to transfer, you know, before it gets to be a train wreck kind of thing. But that's not my lane. Like I can just tell you what happens in a home birth or a birth center. I can tell you what happens in the hospital and birth there. So that is my lane. And so I'm very clear on that. Yeah, I mean, Similar. I don't, you know, I've never been at a home birth, but a lot of my listeners were curious about it. So, you know, we did several podcasts on it, but basically it was mm-hmm. just me asking questions, right? And, yeah. you know, talking about it a little bit. I mean, obviously I have, I have a working knowledge of it, obviously, but it's, it, it is interesting. And I don't know, some people get really like offended that you want to stay in your lane, but, <laughs> you know, like, listen, I, what do we do? Like, I don't know anything about home birth. Like, I can't tell you about it in that sense. 
but I guess I guess they just stop listening is my guess. Um, I don't know. We try to be as inclusive as possible, but sometimes it's just like you said, if it's not the right place to be, it's not the right place to be. And that's fine. That's cool. Yeah. And I find that honestly, some people, I don't want to like speak negatively at mm. the but some people want to stay. Like there are some, I'm a big supporter of midwives, big supporter of doulas. Mm-hmm. I work with midwives. I work with doulas. But there are some people in that community who, who want to stay in a space of arguing and fighting amongst, you know, like the, the hospital system is horrible. It's just horrible. There's no way that a doctor can be active supportive and they want to hold on to that. And I can't, I've come to the conclusion that I can't change people. Like I can't make it my goal to change people's minds. I can present my information. If you find it useful, great. I love to work with different types of people. Great. But I, I'm not going to be able to reach everyone. There are going to be some people who don't like me. And that's just the reality of it. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I was listening to someone, one of my guests has a podcast and on her podcast, there was someone talking about homebirths and midwives. And that person was sort of, as you were describing, like very combative, you know, like mm-hmm. how awful hospitals are and how awful doctors are and, you know, all the things they do. And it's like, oh, whatever, you know, I listened. Okay. And, and I just sort of wrote the podcast for an email. I said, you know, it was, you know, not such a, you know, it was kind of pretty biased and not really factually true in this. And she said, why don't you come on and I'll have you guys, you know, debate each other. I'm like, no chance. I'm like, I'm out. Right. I'm like, there's like, it's, I have no interest in that. I'm not trying to convince her to think like me or, you know, whatever. It's just, I don't know. It was just, it was, it was odd. But yeah, I agree. I don't, I'm, I'm not interested in that. Just you do your thing. And I don't know, people who follow, they just, you know, they're going to like it or they're going to listen to it or learn something from it. And that's yeah. it. It's, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not worth the fighting. That's for sure. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Far more. I don't know what your experience has been, but most people actually still want to hear from us as physicians and actually appreciate our expertise and opinion. They just want us to like also respect them as individuals and like help them come to choices and not just like tell people what to do. I still think people really value our expertise. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I think that my father always told me this because he's older. So he's got all his experience. He gets to, you know, speak as the wise man. And he told me that, you know, when, when he would see patients, he's a neurologist. He said when he would go around, you know, on rounds and see the patients and there was, you know, him and, you know, four residents and two fellows and 12 medical students and six nurses and three social workers, this, that. And he said, he'd go in the room. He said, the patients always wanted to know what he thought, like what, whether, whether it mattered, didn't matter to them, whether they, you know, it was going to affect their care or whether it was the thing that was going to change. He said, they always want to know what I thought. And he said, and I can tell you that I'm probably the least helpful person to that patient. You know, the nurses do much more for her. The social workers do a ton more than I'm going to do. He said, but for whatever reason, people really care what the doctor thinks. And I think that's true. But on the flip side, there's a great responsibility with that for doctors to not be condescending and not be mm-hmm. my way or the highway type of thing. Yep. It's all right, this is my knowledge, this is my information. I'm going to help you with that. But just that's it, like without an attitude. Yeah. And hopefully that's how doctors all are. But everyone's had experiences with doctors or any professional who's not like that. And it can really turn people off. I was actually going to ask you the exact question. You know, since you're basically an authority now, because everyone's listening to you, does that 
scare you or worry you about all this responsibility you have that you say something and, you know, millions of people are now going to hear it and listen to it? Oh, my God, it? of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I, you know, yeah, that, I think that's a natural response. I think you have, I have to be prepared that, and I'm seeing this more and more, more people disagree, more people have comments, you know. So, yes, absolutely. And I just have to keep telling myself, you know, I'm doing the best that I know how to do. I can course correct if, if need be. But yes, absolutely. It, it certainly, certainly is, is scary. But there's a certain amount of both in this and in the best side of, of checking egos and realizing that the ultimate goal is to be of service to the people that we're really privileged to, to take care of. So it can be frustrating if someone isn't listening to what you're, listening to what you're saying in a sense. But the best I've come to realize the best I can do is I have my knowledge. I have my expertise. I will share that freely. And I will share it openly and as honestly as I can and detach myself from if this person listens to me or not. I have shown up in the best way that I can. But that's the best that any of us can do. I love it. What a delight talking to you. I really enjoyed this. It's great spending time with you. And I love what you're doing. And I love how you're doing it. And your voice is so soothing. It's just great. <laughs> <laughs> I just you say that. People say that to me, and I would never have thought that before. But thank you, I appreciate. It. I yeah, it's uh, you have a you just have a great way about you. How do how do my listeners find you? Where where can we find you? I have my website is drnicolerankins.com. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. I'm everywhere on Dr. Nicole Rankins. But Instagram is my biggest platform, and my podcast is called All About Pregnancy and Birth. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and spending time with us. I really do appreciate it and keep doing what you're doing. It's awesome. Thank you. And I look forward to having you on my show again soon for some fellow episodes as well. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Healthful Woman Podcast. To learn more about our podcast, please visit our website at www.healthfulwoman.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-F-U-L-W-O-M-A-N.com. If you have any questions about this podcast or any other topic you would like us to address, please feel free to email us at hw at healthfulwoman.com. Have a great day. The information discussed in Healthful Woman is intended for educational uses only. It does not replace medical care from your physician. Healthful Woman is meant to expand your knowledge of women's health and does not replace ongoing care from your regular physician or gynecologist. We encourage you to speak with your doctor about specific diagnoses and treatment options for an effective treatment plan.